All right, man. Uh, so we can't turn back now. We're, I, I know you're still still kind of hesitant, but, you know, we're two weeks in. What, what are you thinking about watching Nitro? You know, I'm still a little bit hesitant, but I Razor Moon showed up, so I think the measuring stick is changing a little bit. I'm interested to see who his big surprises for Nitro this week. I guess I'll, you know, sit down for the next two hours just to see what's to happen. I've been honestly enjoying the Ric Flair, Honor Anderson tag team matches. They've been very entertaining. I remember Ric Flair from the WWF days, so and I remember Arn Anderson from the WWF days too, so I I guess I I enjoy podcasting with you, Mr. Beverly Hills, so I'm willing to do this one more one more week. You like podcasting, huh? Look at the adjective there. Podcast. Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. The sleep hold has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, event status radio. They're recording again. <laughs> Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Recorded live in Wheeling, West Virginia. Recorded live in the Wheeling Civic Center. Where the twist did steal and sex appeal. Your mother warned you about. This is Main Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog, the Body Ventura, Darcy. Joining me is Mr. Beverly Hills, the Dork, the Clown, Hills, 90210. Beverly Hills, what's <laughs> happening? Oh, my gosh. Uh, man, nothing's happening. This is a very special episode. I don't want to peek. I don't want to peek behind the curtain too much. We're recording a, a very special time this week. Very fun podcast. This is the thirty-sixth episode of Main Event Status Radio, covering the thirty-ninth episode of WCW Monday Nitro from Monday, June tenth, nineteen ninety-six. Got it. And uh, do you have any uh, history lesson from Wheeling, West Virginia, or the Wheeling Civic it. Center? Yes, I do. We are in Wheeling, West Virginia um, at the Wheeling Civic Center. The Wheeling Civic Center built 1977. Uh, one of the, probably the smallest arena we've had so far on on our trip here. The capacity is just 5,600 uh, people. Um, it has a long history of wrestling, though. It It's hosted... Uh, WWF superstars, including the debut of one of our uh, key performers, the shark, the man, John Tento, when he debuted as Earthquake. Uh, it has hosted Raw's, the SmackDowns, including the last Velocity taping. Interesting. Yeah, Nitro, and most recently, uh, ROH tape, Ring of Honor tapings in uh, fall of last year. Fun times it's, for the Wheeling, uh, 
untouched the wheeling people it's it's uh, a one and only uh, team because I always like to tell you these minor league teams that are hosted by these arenas are the wheeling nailers hmm. a hockey team yeah uh, and it's I hope that ahead. they're wheeling to score some goals daddy good I, I bet they use that I'm sure they use like are you wheeling to come to the nailers game something like that. It has changed the same as now called the West Banco Arena. How sad. <laughs> it's everybody selling out to the corporate sponsorships, man. I hope that they're so wheeling. Be- I hope that they're wheeling to Banco on that Jacko. Soon it's gonna be like the <laughs> the I don't know, like Fred's toilet bowl main event status radio. <laughs> I'd be willing to say, if any, I've said this before, if anybody wants to give us money, I would pretty much do whatever you want. You want me to wear your shirt? You want me to say your name like every two minutes? It's cool. Uh, give us your money. So, you know, whatever. I did my ring over there. That was really loud this week. I'm sorry. I'm oh, moving man. away from my, uh, my microphone. Holy shit. God, my eardrums <laughs> just blasted. I'm just that excited to talk to you, Mr. Beverly Hills. Oh, my Lord. So according to my Ruku for this edition of Money Nitro, and I quote, Nature Boy Ric Flair and then Enforcer Arn Anderson battle Stin and Lex Luger in the main event. Booker T takes on Scott Steiner, unquote. Well, God, I'm really disappointed that your Roku spoiled the big surprise. Yeah, I know. The big surprise of the night. Golly. Darn you, Roku box. Yeah, that's what the heck. Because I'm going to say in the first thing here, we, yeah, God, go ahead. Start it out, man. Okay, so the vintage nitro opening opens up with a bad city being blown to smithereens, and we see some clips. A vintage WCW stars up on the buildings, Daddy O and Daddy yes, X. Yes, sir. Yep. Then, then the pyro goes off in the building, and we get Tony Giovanni saying, "This is this is the greatest hour one of Nitro in Nitro history." Well, you don't need to. You don't need to lie. He'll he'll do that for you. You don't need to lie what he says. He says it's time to get rockin'. It's Monday Nitro live on TNT. And here's his hyperbole. He says we're heading for the biggest week of the summer. <laughs> Which I have to agree, Mr. Beverly Hills. We are podcasting in the biggest week of the summer. Yes. Yeah. I'm you excited. don't have to you don't have to lie about what Tony says. He'll he'll tell you himself. Then he's along with the living legend Larry Zabisco once again. And we are going into, like I said, the Great American Bash the following Sunday. And tonight, on Main Event Set of Short Radio, we'll see Art Anderson and Ric Flair have a tag match in Hour 2. Then we'll see the Giant and Scott Norton grapple one another. Well, who are they going to face in Hour 2? Tell us who, who they'll face Beverly Hills. The debuting Joe Gomez. Woo! Do you know Joe who Gomez. Joe... Okay, tell us about Joe Co- Gomez. Man, Joe Gomez, he's so, such a big deal. Dude, they are so happy that Joe Gomez, formerly known as Alan Iron Eagle, <laughs> is going to be making his debut. They are so excited about this. And his um, partner, 
former TV champion himself, the Renegade. Don't. Was that? That's supposed to be the Ultimate Warrior. Well, that was the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, okay. I was trying to shake my ropes, but you couldn't really see that. Does it come through audio form that well? Then yeah, like I said, we'll see the Giant and Scott Norton grapple with one another with the Giant Chokeslam and Scott Norton last week. Yeah. And Tony mentions that that. There was an evasion on the on Nitro that within the last two weeks, and we see a, a video package highlighting that from last week when when Razor Moan told Stain that no one tells me what to do and nobody tells me when to do it. And next and, week I got a big surprise. And then Tony follows that up by going, "Next week is this week." Oh, Tony, you're such a I star. Just, I love that he he felt the need to tell us. No, it's it's not next week. Next week is this week. So here we are. Hi everyone, along with the living legend Larry Zbysko, I am Tony Schiavone. And as always, two jam-packed hours. Of course, Eric Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan will be with you for hour number two. In that hour number two, Larry Zbysko heading to the Great American Bash, Arn Anderson and the Nature Boy Ric Flair against a newcomer in here. A lot about Joe Gomez and the Renegade. Well, Joe Gomez and the Renegade, two Nitro Dites here, neophytic wrestlers, but they get a chance here on the hottest show in professional wrestling. Unfortunately, they're going in against two masters. Arn Anderson and Ric Flair are going to put on a clinic tonight. I just hope for their own benefit that Dumbo McMichaels and his partner, Kevin Running Dummy Green, are going to be watching. They're going to need all the knowledge they can get. Along with their coach, the Macho Man Randy oh, Savage, on, I might add. Coach. Also, fans, we Napoleon. want to talk about, later in this telecast, in the second hour, the Giant and Scott Norton one-on-one. Well, again, Scott Norton, a man that impressed me, but now I think he's getting more of that football mentality. He hasn't learned from the first beating at the hands of the Giant. And tonight, Tony, mark my words, he's going to get choke slammed again. Fans, for the past two weeks, we have been rudely interrupted here on WCW Monday Night Pro. I think it bears repeating to go back and show you exactly what happened as we closed the program last week, the first time ever in this sport. Take a look at this footage. Only nobody tells me what to do. And Chico, nobody tells me when to do it. Okay, tough guy, I got a little, no, I got a big surprise for you next week. And fans, next week is this week. What is that big surprise? We hope to find out during this two hours of WCW Monday Night Show Live as we kick it off with the greatest wrestling action in the world, World Championship Wrestling. We go to David Spencer. And here we are with the opening match of the night, Booker T versus Scotty Steiner. Booker T hailing from a very specific uh, destination, according to whoever our announcer is. 
from 110th Street in Harlem, New York. One half of Harlem Heat, Booker T. I wonder how many people back then tried to find that exact location. Well, I'm doing it right now, so okay. at least one. Okay, then <laughs> when you're doing that, I noted that Booker T is wearing a black trunks back or back for that match. Tights. Tights, whatever. Trunks, whatever. And That's the difference. Man, your man Lance Storm would have your hide for saying that. He's he's the one who, he said it so many times, so that's why I did it. Well, Lance Storm can go back to Canada, daddy-o. <laughs> he's the one. He's like, trunks are the short tights, and tights are the long ones. Then uh, I wanted to mention, back then, 1996, I was scared to death of Harlem Heat. They looked scary. <laughs> they could, yeah, right. They're tough dudes, man. So, do you find that location, Mister Beverly Hills? Yeah, it's it's just like the street that uh, divides the neighborhoods of Harlem and Central Park West. Okay. So it's it's not really. I don't know. I suppose a lot of people do live on it, but it's just kind of like so, famous so, for being like the big thoroughfare of Harlem. So it's just like Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Actually, exactly. It, it was. It's very similar to that. In fact, or Bad Street. Yeah. Well, it's real, so it's not quite like Fair Bad enough. Street. And I wanted to mention that. Mention that Scotty was wearing a. It was a Nasty Boys esque inspired wrestling singlet for the for this match. How kind is of. it? How is it? I said it was neon pink and purple. Okay, well, I thought yeah, one. I thought lots one. Of 90s people wore neon. Yeah, I thought the one half of the singlet kind of looked like the Nasty Boys spray paint graffiti or whatever else. That's why I said it kind of looked like Nasty, Nasty Boys esque inspired. <laughs> sure, sure. Standardized. Then Larry mentions right away that uh, that Scotty may be a better wrestler than wrestler, but Booker can outbrawl him. I enjoy. I enjoy comments like such. Sure. But that's me. With that opening line from Larry Zabisco that I noted for the, for the match, I'll kick to you, Mr. Beverly Hills, to, you dis- got it. to uh, do the blow-by-blow. <laughs> you got it. Just like I, just like you said, um, Book, Booker's look, the, the long tights with the, uh, the singlet piece on the top, it has red flames. I really like that look. It's very kind of, like, clean, um, and it's very in contrast to... Steiner's, which you said has the graffiti on one side, neon pink and purple on the other side. It's very kind of crazy. So I, I enjoy Booker's look. Um, nice sorry, I just belched in the microphone. I'm this, this is big belch status radio. So uh, I wish someone would sponsor my belch. Can like a can like a heartburn medication or something <laughs> sponsor my burp? Um, so we start off with a with an opening hook up here and and Scott goes for one of his, you know, kind of patented throws uh, and Booker blocks it and throws his does his own. Scott kind of claims that that Booker's been holding his hair, which to be honest, I did not see. So, I, I didn't I didn't either, Gorilla. Um so we we go back and forth for a little bit, including a attempted backslide by Scott that's uh, blocked by Booker, um, and finally we we kind of settle down with uh, Scott getting Booker up into a really good looking Tiger Driver or you know that kind of uh, um, double under a power bomb, if you will. Um, yes, if I will, Daddy. <laughs> 
Scott continues on with a, with an inverted atomic drop and then a clothesline to the outside. Um, of course, the announcers were not talking about the match. Why? Why would they be? If, I mean, this is WCW. Yes, they they aren't paid to talk about the match, Mister Beverly Hills. Yeah, they get paid to talk about other things while <laughs> wrestling's ha- wrestling are happening. <laughs> true they wouldn't even have to be in the same building they could just they're just like here talk about these storylines but anyway so larry's talking about macho man and here's another and this is our weekly thing of larry trying to sound smart right <laughs> so as the biscoism larry keeps talking about macho saying that he's napoleon and he's looking for josephine i am sad you do not Try to do your Larry is a Bisco impersonation talk oh, about it, Macho Man. Don't don't worry, it'll come later, I'm okay. sure. So, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> he doesn't just talk slow. But oh that's right, he's not big sexy diesel. <laughs> just that yeah, that was a couple of promos. But um yeah, I I don't get it. Like the it really doesn't like work with the reference he's doing. I mean, like I get that he's trying to relate like macho and Elizabeth to a fa- another famous like couple or whatever, but it doesn't really apply here. So I just, I don't like like shoehorning stuff. Like he could be, he could say macho man is, Oh shoot. Now I got to think of a good one. Macho Man is Larry Fortensky and Miss Elizabeth, the little Elizabeth Taylor. And it would make us just as much sense as the <laughs> Napoleon Josephine thing. I don't know, whatever. I think just leave those references for the cutting room floor, in my opinion. Um, but coming out of that, Booker T um, hits his, his scissor kick, which it's funny to see moves that would later become finishers for guys or setups for finishers for guys uh, just uses like transitional moves. I always think that's interesting to see. Yeah, talking about that, I wanted to interrupt and say, you know, like, great, we haven't really watched much like early 90s Shawn Michaels when he first broke away from the Rockers and did, mm-hmm. went into a singles career, but when you said that it reminds me of like Shawn Michaels when he was using the super kick as a transitional move when he was using that teardrop soup, back suplex as his finisher that, at that time when years down the road he was using a super kick as his switch and music finisher. Right. Uh-huh. That's a, that's kind of the famous one. That's a that's a good example. So uh, at this point, we here's the here's a good Larryism. This isn't beat the clock. This is beat the punk. <laughs> God, he's such an idiot. You know, I wish Larry Zabisco could have called at least one CM Punk match where he could use that line during that match. <laughs> there you go. There you could. It, it, even better if they were using the beat the clock gimmick, yes. which they do sometimes. And he can say, this is beat the clock and this is beat the punk. Um, they also mentioned at this point that the Steiners are facing fire and ice on Sunday. And I just wrote in giant letters. Woo! Favorites, my favorites. Um, Booker, you know, coming out of those, those combinations there, he comes here with a huge flying splash that looked awesome. 
Um, this this match is good. It's just you know really oh, was up from the top action row? nonstop. Yes, because because uh-huh. I I wrote on a Booker hit a nice side moonsault from the top rope. So that's that's how I described that move. But side moonsault, yes. sure. Yeah, he starts facing the other direction, then turns around while he's jumping. Yes, but yeah, that's, that's true. What, and I was I was impressed by it, but that too. But it's like the fans weren't really worried. Well, uh, yeah, sure. I don't go by fan reaction. I could give two shits about what they do. You know what? I know, you, you just you watch your you watch wrestling like this, and you just listen to the crowd, and you go, "Are they are they into it or I, not?" I do not watch wrestling with my hands over my eyes. I watch wrestling with my glasses off, Gorilla. Uh, yeah, I, so you don't really you don't really watch the match. You're just like, "Well, was the crowd into it?" Uh, if so, good match. If not, bad match. I hit my dog. I'm the dog of the people, Mr. Beverly Hills. <laughs> I listen to the people. Vote for me in 2016 for United so, States president. Um, so, Scott, he's he, <laughs> Booger gets Scott up, up, up for a vertical suplex, uh, but he reversed it into a, into a reverse DDT, which I thought was really kind of cool. Um and uh, yeah, so Scott takes Booker to the corner. He uh, does a couple of corner punches. Um, Booker is able to kind of squirm out, but Scott throws a really nice belly to belly at him uh, at that point. Yeah, see, I noted that. In fact, Tony Schiavone got excited for that belly to belly. Sure. Well, it was a good looking move. Well, yeah, like I said, I, I notice, I take note of when people get excited and uh, they're <laughs> locked thereof, and I had to take note that. Mr. Shavani was a little excited when Scotty hit that belly-to-belly suit play. Yeah, yeah, he liked it. So Scott tried to go for his finisher at the time, the Frankensteiner. But as he did it, Booker held onto the ropes. Then he hit his axe kick, and he went up top. And I was legitimately like convinced by this match. I'm like, oh, man, this might be the end. Okay, I, I have to interrupt. Go ahead. Uh, between the belly-to-belly spot and the spot and where you're going into I took, did take note of a nice spin wheel kick from Booker. Only got a two when he when he you know hooked the pin. Sabisco mentioned that, that uh Booker should have hooked the leg for a higher effect of the or for a fuller effect of the pin. And what kinda of wanna get your thoughts about former wrestlers kinda of mentioned stuff such like that to the viewers at home. Well, you know, as we talked probably two minutes ago, I like it. Uh, I like when they talk about the the kind of inner workings of uh, wrestling. And, and I think we talked about it two weeks ago uh, that the advantage of having former wrestlers on is they can talk about the kind of strategy of wrestling. And we talked about how... Uh, current WWE doesn't utilize here he is Booker T or JBL in that fashion and uh, they really should like you know Larry does when in his bright spots that's what he does so, yeah, so I guess yeah. I, I wanted to you know interrupt you and mention that because I took note of that and yeah like you know like you much I appreciate stuff like that as if you were at home to understand why it's important for wrestlers to hook the leg and which leg and all that for the pinfall. Right on. But yeah, yep. you were talking about Booker going up for a diving headbutt. Yeah, he does, but he misses it. And Scott jumps in real quick, uh, hits a awesome looking uh, overhead belly to belly, and Scott Steiner is the victory. That was still loud. Holy crap! Okay, I'll move even farther away. Scott Center is the winner 
And I rated this match with Mr. Beverly Hills two stars. I went three stars. I liked this match. This is my kind of match. Um, it's not a you know super ton of psychology, but it's a lot of good looking moves, big moves, high impact. This is my kind of match. So yeah, because for stars. for me, I enjoy seeing two guys with two different styles meshing it together and seeing a different style match for the fans in the arena and at home. And I I enjoy it. Granted, I enjoy a little bit more of the technical match, but I enjoy you know like I said these these two big brutes you know. Trying to throw each other around, try to kick each other, and, and all that. So I agree with you, Mr. Beverly Hills. I enjoy matches like this. And mm-hmm. after you know, Scotty wins. We see uh, Pep Boys inspired replay, and all okay. that. Or yeah, Pep Boys uh, was was the guy who was financially giving WCW money to show that replay. <laughs> then, then we get a commercial slide seeing Mongo and Green training and Double A and Flair coming out last week in their jerseys. Then we get in, then we get also that commercial so we get Jimmy Hart cutting in a promo promo that he was surprised that Norton's coming back the you know this week after getting two choke slams last week and we come back from a commercial with Mean Gene Mr Beverly Hills and yeah. where is where is Mean Gene at Well I think they're in the rampway him and Scott Steiner Yes he is and yeah he's there with Scott Steiner and then Mean Gene was plugging uh, his match with his brothers. Uh, Rick at the Great American Bash against Fire and Ice. Yep. And their match has to be a winner, Mr. Beverly Hills. <laughs> I would say it's the winner. Did you? I love those. Well, the, it's a match that there has to be a winner. Oh, okay. Yes. So, because like once before when they the do oh, two yeah. fight, there wasn't a, ended in no contest. Must have, yeah, which I believe because the world can only, can't really handle. A, a win between those two teams because they're just too great. Then, did you take any other notes between what Scotty said before Debra showed up? Sure. Me and the dog face gremlin have prided ourselves on being the top tag team in the world. And then here she comes. Yeah, then Debra came down and interrupted and apologized for interrupting, but wanted to get a word in with Mean Gene and Scotty was the gentleman who walked off. And mean Gene's so funny. He's, he's totally cool with it. He's like, okay. Then Mean Gene said that, yeah, he'll catch up a with him later and Deborah was mentioning that she can't sleep and she's concerned <laughs> she's for so upset. she's concerned for her her husband Mongo and his partner Steven. And she's called him Steven, which I like that touch. Mm-hmm. And she said that Steven might go a little crazy and might get hurt at the at the bash if she wants to meet up. No, he might hurt someone. Okay, I'm not, sorry. not that he that's a lot is a big difference. I'm sorry. He won't get hurt, he will hurt someone. And she said that that she wants to meet up with the horseman to talk it over. Yes. And she wants to yeah talk it over and not have a wrestling match. Yes. I I think this is cool. I like it because I like the the element that the the wife here, the woman wants to end it, but not because she is afraid for Mongo, but that she's afraid for the other guys because he's such a badass that he's going to come and he's going to beat him up so bad that they're going to get hurt. I think that's kind of a cool um, element and kind of something different than what we would normally get from like a doting wife type. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then Gene sends it to the ring for the next match. Ladies and gentlemen, in front of a jam-packed audience here, they are hanging from the rafters tonight. 
on WCW Monday Nitro. With me now, Scott Steiner next Sunday live in Baltimore at the Great American Bash. You and your brother against fire and ice, and there must be a winner. That's right, Mean Gene. Me and the dog-faced gremlin have always prided ourselves in being the number one tag team in the world. That's why we are here in WCW. Fire and ice, there will be a winner in Baltimore this oh, Sunday. Oh, oh, wait a minute, Scotty. Deborah McMichael. So, I'm so sorry to interrupt you right now, but I really have to talk to Mr. Oakman right now about my husband. I'm so sorry, but I have to get this point across right well, now. This is highly unusual, Scott. Uh, it's okay, Mean Jean. Take her away. She looks very upset. All right, you and I will hook up a little bit later on and finish this conversation. Deborah, as I say, this is highly unusual. What uh, What's well, going through your mind? Well, I tell you, I couldn't even sleep last night, Jean. I mean, I've been thinking about, you know, was coming up this this, this Sunday, Sunday, of course, in Baltimore. And I've been really upset about it, and I'm worried about my husband, Steve, and, and I know, you know, he's a really great athlete, and I know Kevin Green's a great athlete, and I know Mr. Anderson and Rick Flair, they're great, too, at their professions, but I'm worried that Steven might go a little crazy, and he might hurt someone permanently, and I'm really, really upset about that. And, you know, I feel really bad because I feel like, you know, it's my fault. Wait a minute, Deborah. I want to take the guesswork out of this right here and now. This is not your fault. Rick Blair has a reputation. He has taken visual liberties. He's talked about you. He said things that shouldn't have been said. And he has infuriated your husband. I know, but it's silly to, to let someone get out there and get hurt permanently over something silly like that. And I tell you what I really want to do here tonight, I want to ask you to see if maybe you can make a meeting with, with Mr. Flair and Mr. Anderson, and maybe we can talk this out and, and like end this before anybody gets hurt. Are, are you saying there's a possibility we're going to call it off? I wish they would. Here's what I'm going to do, Deborah. I will try to get a hold of Bobby Heenan. As you know, I work for him. He's going to be the coach for Flair and Anderson. Let me see if I can get an audience. If I can, we'll do it here tonight. Because I know, like Randy Savage, I mean, you don't know what he's going to do. A lot of nuts involved in this thing. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate your concern. Deborah McMichael, you look just terrific tonight. Right now, let's get you back to the ring and more Nitro. Well, I don't know what to say. Deborah McMichael... Coming out here unannounced, talking to me, Gene Oakland. She is very, very concerned. We are obviously going to have an explosion this Sunday. Yep, we get Jim Powers taken on Diamond Dallas Page. And Mr. Beverly Hills, do you know who Jim Powers was? Yeah, man. One of the most, one of the uh, two members of one of my favorite 1980s tag teams, the Young Stallions, bro. Oh, so he was in the WWF before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't remember that many jobber tag teams or single stars back in the WWF back in the day, <sighs> Mr. Beverly Hills. This is called... You just the, stab me in the heart by calling the Young Stallions a jobber tag team. This is called Mid-Even Status Radio, Beverly Hills, not Jobber Status Radio. You're going to stab me again. They're not a jobber team, man. In the one Survivor Series in the tag team match, they were one of the final two teams. Were they ever Were they ever WWF tag team champions? No. So there you go. Oh, okay. I will remember that. that you only <laughs> care about people who are champions. Got it. Got it. I'm writing it down right now. 
And I wanted to mention once again that I do not like WWE Network's version of DDP's theme song. Boo. I guess this matches for DDP's Battle Ball Ring. So then uh kick it to you, Mr. Beverly Hills, about this match when I stall for time when you're taking note about my comment that you're gonna yep. cut my face later oh, on. Oh you got it, man. You got it. You got it. Okay, I'll kick okay. it to you for this match. So first off, Larry, he I I just feel sad for him because he keeps trying to get over this nickname where he calls Mongo McMichael Dumbo. And it's just so bad. Just so bad. And he call, he even Kevin Green's is even worse because he keeps calling him running dummy. That doesn't even make sense. Like it's just so bad. So so yeah, like you said, we got DDP and Jim Powers. These guys, you know, the the announcers start off. They're talking a lot about the the Deborah thing. Um, Tony is trying to get over that. Mike Ditka talked about uh, um, talked about Mongo and whatnot. I'm sorry, but uh, you kind of seemed confused while I was laughing quietly. Mike Ditka sounds his name could be sounded a little perverted. I'm sorry. Continue Jeez. on. Fifth grade starts in a few weeks. <laughs> um, Yay, school! So, so yeah, Mike Ditka had <laughs> talked about how Mongo's, you know, really tough and, and a good athlete and whatnot. And Larry Z's just like, I don't know who that is. And I love it. I did think that was funny. I don't know who that is. Well, I, I had a second Larry Zabisco because I don't know who Mike Ditka is. He's, yeah, he's the coach of the Bears. Okay, uh, that that explains not, why I don't know him. on it. And uh, Larry throws out names of, of guys who, uh, football players who attempted wrestling and didn't last a very long time. He throws out the names of Alex Karras, who I know the most of for being Webster's dad on the TV show Webster. Have you ever watched Webster? No, man, I, I have no that. clue who he is either. I love it. And now... Here comes, you might as well just start laughing now. Also, <laughs> also the name of Dick Buckkiss. Yeah. I, I've heard of him before, though. Yeah. Well, probably just as something to laugh, probably. No, I've heard his name thrown around in wrestling shows back in the day, Beverly Hills. <laughs> so, Get your pa- Dick Buckkiss out of here. Oh, God. <laughs> so Power starts out quick, and he, he pushes uh, DDP into the corner. Um, you know, D- Jim Power is like other than being part of the great tag team, the Young Stallions, like the one thing that he's kind of known for is just always being just a huge jacked up guy, uh, just super muscle bound. So he tries using that power to his advantage. Um, but DDP, he uses the hair and then he kicks him in the nuts uh, to uh, to get him off of him. Uh, after he tries to do that, though, Powers fires up. And he like flexes in a, in DDP's face, and he gets scared. So <laughs> as he's getting scared, DDP almost rolls him up, <laughs> but he holds onto the ropes there. Uh, Powers, he's he's starting out quack, he's quack. He's starting out quick, <laughs> if you will. And uh, <laughs> starting out quack, I like it. And he hits a cross body uh, for two, and. <laughs> Just like I'm having trouble with my words, Larry was having trouble for, with his words because he was saying that Powers was telegramming his moves. 
That is not the word. Telegraph is the word. I think that might, might be why I like Larry Zabisco, since him and I get, get our words confused. <laughs> yeah. This is when I took note that I think you should get a tattoo like DDP has of the little star on his chest that's like kind of right on the up, on his upper chest. I think that would look great on you. Yes. And I should get a star on one, che- on one chest, and I was thinking of getting our uh, minivan status uh, logo on, on my other chest, or maybe which on my one? upper There's arm. There's so many. I don't even know what which one you'd get. Maybe the, the Nitro... The, the Monday Nitro logo version. The Nitro-inspired one? Yes. I think that's a good, that's a good choice. Yeah, I, I, other shoulder, I might have a heart and Beverly Hills on it. <laughs> and people think I'm talking about Los Angeles, California. <laughs> They're like, whoa, are you, are you from there? Or is it your favorite place to visit? And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me tell you about this certain individual, Daddy. It's, it's my favorite man. <laughs> Let's get so, back to the match. Yeah, so we're almost at the end here. This is, this match really wasn't much. Um, po- it was basically just, you know, kind of like Powers dominating. Um, he, yeah, he got the foot up on a charge and he threw uh, DDP in and then he got up and did the 10 punches in the corner. Jim, Ross is, Jim Ross is favorite. Oh, screw him. So, Sauce him, now, daddy. Now Powers, Powers comes out and he hits a drop kick. Uh, for for a two count, but when he gets up, DDP hits him with a short elbow, gets him in the diamond cutter, boom, done. Yes, yeah, so the winner, ding, 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 is Diamond <laughs> Dallas Page. And ready, I ready this match, wanting one for a star, Beverly Hills. I, I don't know why, but I'm not going to change it. I rated this two stars. Okay, I, to me, I felt, you're probably going to get angry at me about this, but I felt like this was... A similar match to the 19, WWF 1995 Jobber match. Okay, but that's just me though. Yeah, but no, I thought like, the, like it's I, not it's not like patented by the WWF yes, in 1995. Uh, to, it's it's just a Jobber match. Like yeah, everybody to me, it. yeah, it gives me a reminiscent to the 95 Jobber match on Monday Night Raw that we reviewed many a times. Sure. But I thought like this match should help put DDP over and help put over his gimmick. To the viewers in the viewers at home and the people in their crowd. Yeah, and I think it does a good job of establishing something that really became a hallmark of that move and still is to this day, which is the fact that the diamond cutter, the ace crusher, can be hit out of nowhere and be the end of a match. Yeah. You know, Randy Orton still uses that as part of his kind of aura, is that if you get hit out of nowhere, you're done. Yes. Now, we see a video package... Building up Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan, their feud for the pay-per-view this coming Sunday. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was interesting seeing a recap of the Horsemen and Dungeon of the Doom feud, which is like the leaders are doing it out of the respect for one another and all that fun stuff, yeah. especially since we really only seen Kevin Sullivan on Nitro the last few weeks and haven't seen Chris Benoit yet. Yeah, you know, I think it's... Well, I just think it's kind of an interesting story going that, like... You know, because all through wrestling history, right, it seems like heels get along, like, golden, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, they'll they'll be whatever. Okay, oh, you're a bad guy. I'm a bad guy. Let's get together, laugh evil, and we're good. But <laughs> this one has the wrinkle in that um, 
Benoit's like, no, dude, like, Arn and Rick, like, this isn't okay. Like, this guy isn't legit. Let's not, you know, buddy up with him. So, and then you have kind of the added wrinkle of Sullivan still having the the Hulk feud kind of in his mind. So I, I, even though I don't really like Kevin Sullivan, which I think is a big part of it, um, I think the basis for this storyline is good. Yeah. Then we see, uh, we come back from, or we go to a commercial comeback, we see a video package building up the United States champion Conan. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, what's your thoughts on the video package? Uh, it was pretty good. It was, you know, just kind of showcasing his big moves and stuff. So, yeah. Then we get Mean Gene backstage with the United States champion Conan, who I think this is the first time we've seen him on Monday Natural. I believe so. And the the promo was, interview was pretty short. They just put over his match at the pay-per-view against El Gato. El, El Gato, which El Gato. is the cat. Gato, okay. Did you take uh, Spanish back in the day? Only like two years. and oh, okay. uh, I took Spanish one in like ninth grade. I took Spanish okay. two in like twelfth grade. So oh. <laughs> and I only took it tw- you know, the second year in, or the second year in my Senior year, just because I wanted to graduate from high school. Yeah, get your credits. Yeah, I was just, I was just wondering. I just didn't, I didn't know if at your school. I think you have to take two, every most everywhere. I was just wondering. Yeah, then we go. Me and Gene sends it back to the ring. Oh, just one second. Okay, I'm so sorry. they call. So they call Elgato a South American legend. Uh, I mean, have you looked up who Elgato is? No, I didn't. Oh, I almost, I'm gonna save it. I'll save it until the bash, the, the Great American Bash. Okay, then we because it's good, man. Then we they call him a South American legend. <laughs> yes, any cat from Mexico is a South American legend. <laughs> All right, joining me live at this time, Conan, U.S. champ, the only Latin United States champion in history. You're going to be challenged by a South American this Sunday night in Baltimore at the Great American Bash. It's El Gato. That's right, El Gato, a legend in South America of legendary proportions. And if I may be so presumptuous, just like myself in Mexico. But you know what, Gato? You got to come to the United States and prove yourself just like I did. And believe me, I have because I'm the U.S. champion. A todos los Latinos, los invito que vayan a Baltimore, Maryland. Apoyarme. Y si no, que ordenen el pago por evento porque no les voy a fallar. Gato, any apathy on your part will lead to your demise. All right, I think that's short and sweet. Conan, United States champ to challenge El Gato this coming Sunday, live from Baltimore at the Great American Bash. Right now, let's get you back up to the ring. All right, Mean Gene Oakland, thank you very much. Then we sent, then Mean Gene sends it to the ring for our next match, Mean versus Sting. Yeah. <laughs> As uh, as Ming is coming out, Larry's talking about Conan. And, oh man, he's saying some really cute, progressive stuff. Here we go. Every U.S. champ should have a green card. Oh, and and every commentator should have a mastery of the U.S. language. So <laughs> I was just gonna ask: Is somehow Larry Zbysko getting a name change and a facelift? to run for president in 2016 as Donald Trump. <laughs> I had to go there. That's good. That's good. That's good. You know, I if I was wearing a hat 
I would take it off for you. Thank that you. That is a good... <laughs> you don't need to bow down to me, Mr. Beverly Hills. Oh, I am just... I, I'm not a cat. I'm not from Mexico. I'm just a dog. Or South America, yeah. I'm just a dog that likes to podcast. <laughs> awesome, man. So, so yeah, Sting versus Meng. So, um, oh, here's I also note that Larry is he's really on a roll here with his progressive <laughs> comments because they're talking about uh, Deborah McMichael, and he drops this gem: blondes have no brains. Oh, cute. God, he's just being and, such a nice guy. And may I say, to see if I can one-up myself again, Larry Zabisco, balds have no brains. Who? Balds have no <laughs> brains. Mm, you, you were, eh, uh, it's not as good, but it's all right. I had a, I hit my peak. Ding, ding, well, yeah, ding. well, you got to see if you're on a roll. I yeah. mean, you guys, you, you, you. Try it all. Something, okay, let's try again. Something that I am on a roll about, I like to mention that I'm happy Sting came out with his his take team title belt. Okay, oh yeah, that's one of your big things yes. that they walk around with their belts. Yeah, so I'm happy that Sting was at least carrying it out to the ring, and he's in his uh, black tights and a green and, fa- green and yellow face paint. Man called Stan. Man hey, called Stan. Have we noticed yet, or noted, I guess I should say, like you're always talking about the... The uh, the attire. Have we noted yet that Sting's hair in this series? We, we haven't yet. No, talk about yes. it. So Sting, I think, is for me most well known either for his crow hair, which is kind of his long stringy stuff, or his early surfer Sting stuff with his high top fade of blonde. And then well, here rat, he's got kind of this tail and back, yeah. Oh yeah, yep. Sometimes with the with yeah, like you said, kind of the duck ass look. Uh, that's just what my mom called it. it was a dia duck ass. So um, <laughs> I love I love it, Beverly Hills. So he now kind of has this like bob look. It's like kind of shoulder length, very like full. Like he's definitely conditioning. Kind of like Ric Flair esque here in ways. Kind of feathered little- out. Yeah, you know, I I guess I can see it. It's sometimes hard to picture, you know, the very different colors. But yeah, sure. And, and it's kind of this like mahogany brown. Yeah, too. And I was gonna say uh, he quit dyeing it blonde, so he went back to his you know natural hair color. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to yeah go along with you on that. Then yeah, let's see. Then I don't have anything any other notes for the guys as a tires or anything else. I'll kick kick it to you for the blow by blow of the match. All right, man. Well, I was excited. For this match because, you know, as you know, Meng is one of my all-time favorites. And so far in this series, Sting's looked very good. Um, in the two minutes, did he had two matches? Sting, yeah. Yeah, because they, fa- they did a tag team match last week against yeah. the Saints, right? Yep, so he's he's looked really well, really good in those two. So I'm, I'm kind of psyched up for this one, so... Ming starts it off quick, just kind of taking it to Sting. Um, but Sting's able to fire back with a back body drop. Burp. <laughs> so gross. This is, so, like I said, this must be the main burp status radio. God, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. God, I'm just so nasty. We are professionals. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> so... <laughs> So Sting missed a dropkick, and it led to a Ming elbow. 
Um, <laughs> a mean elbow. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so, so Meng was working with he was he was really stomping him, but Sting is is like kind of stinging up here, and he's really on fire with a lot of clotheslines, uh, and eventually a uh, face buster, but he celebrates too much, and my favorite baby face Meng rolls him up. Yeah, because I know I, I mentioned that yeah when Steen was flexing and right before me rolled him up for a small package, Larry Sabisco was questioning Steen for all his flexing antics, which would be accurate. You know, I think sometimes like okay, obviously I'm not a fan of Larry Sabisco, that's clear. He but I thought he had potential as like a Jesse Ventura style announcer, but. His shortcomings and I think kind of his own personal opinion of himself yeah, kind are kind of, of his, his downfall. But he he does show some things where I'm like, okay, you know, I'm with that. I'm 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 fine with with what he's doing. Or even when I'm like, oh yeah, that makes makes total sense. That after yeah, after Mean only got a two count for the with a small package. The Bisco again mentioned that that's what Sting gets for flexing for the fans. <laughs> right, right. But Sting is able to come back with a roll up of his own. Um, then Ming hits a good-looking shoulder breaker, uh, and goes up to the top, but nutted by Sting on the turnbuckle. And uh, when he falls off, Sting puts him in the scorpion and gets him to. That's still too. Still no, that's okay. I can deal with it. Okay, I, it's like I don't know two feet away from my microphone. So. That's all right. That's so all right. So the winner is Stan. And I rated this match, Mr. Beverly Hills, a one and five-eighths of a star. One and five-eighths. Okay, well, I went two. Yeah, so. I, I guess to me, I wasn't that impressed with the match. I was more impressed with the Faces of Fear match, tag match that we saw. I think it was last week. I was more mm-hmm. impressed with the last two weeks of matches that we've seen, seen with Stan. Well, this is one of those examples where, in my opinion, of one where you look at this match... And you get excited, like I did. You know, Sting versus Ming, awesome. These are two great wrestlers, but something just didn't come together. Uh, either it's that it didn't have enough time, or Ming wasn't able to kind of do his thing, which I think kind of like that might be it. When you talk, Especially when you talk about last week with the high-voltage match. His deal is just to, you know, go nuts, fling people around the ring. And he wasn't able to do that because Sting is not that kind of... To pull a Brock Lesnar. Yep, exactly. And and just like Brock Lesnar, his best matches are when he just is like, let, let's loose. You know, so... And that's not here, so... Hmm. I, I don't... I, one thing I did appreciate is that when Min was on the top rope, when Sting crashed him on the top rope, Min fell face first and... Seeing slapped on the Scorpion Deathlock, showing yep. everybody that how he can, if the guy is a little bit bigger, he still figure out a different way to slap on the Scorpion Deathlock. So that, that's one thing I appreciated about this match. Yeah, kind of the cool thing about <laughs> these last three weeks of Nitros here is that the setups for finishers are uh, extremely varied, and it's not. To to kind of the the classic 
um, big boot leg drop one two three. It's not like the boom then boom then boom. Like we can get the the diamond cutter out of anything. We can get the scorpion um, out of a you know setup or out of this you know nut shot thing. Um, I like that. And whoever's booking these matches is doing a good job. Uh, so hats off to WCW for that one. Now we see a video package for Duggan and Dave Taylor that we'll yep. see after the commercial break. We go to and come back from a commercial break, and Mean Gene is in the back with Deborah McMichael and Bobby Heaton. Yeah, first off, I've never heard Dave Taylor speak, I don't think. So it was interesting for me to to hear that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, then, yeah, Bobby is backstage, you know, with, yeah. Deborah and Mean Gene, and Bobby questions why Deborah finally wants to talk, especially on Nitro when she has all week to try to get a hold of the horseman. Well, he's he alludes to the fact that she has been talking to them all week. Wink, wink. Yes. <laughs> that she's been doing more than talking. Wink, wink. Follow me, toots, he says. Yeah, then Bobby brought Deborah to the horseman locker room, then. Then uh, when after they went in, Bobby slammed the horseman locker horse room, horseman locker room door in me and Gene's face, which I appreciated. I thought this kind of got weird. Yes, then you hear some screams and yeah. all that. Then the the ladies got kicked out. Then somehow the renegading Joe Gomez showed up, <laughs> and the yeah, horseman I, beat them down. Yeah, I I didn't like this because I got a real vibe that that the horsemen were beating up Flair. Or or not Flair, that they're beating up Deborah. Yeah. Or and and maybe like more. Cause I mean like it's just kind of a disturbing image when a woman gets put into a locked room with three men and then you start hearing her scream. Yeah. You know, like that's not the image you really want to convey. And I think it, so like I don't I didn't like that at all. To me, this kind of hurt my image of, I guess, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and Bobby Heenan, even though Flair and real life and storyline is a womanizer, but still. But he's a womanizer above board. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, he doesn't assault women, which I think this was the vibe. Yeah. So I, I didn't dig on that. So do you, do you know where Renegade, Renegade and Joe Kimmich came out of? Came from kids. <laughs> Out of the hallway. I don't know, man. It's that it was kind of weird. Yeah, because I was I was curious on how, how where in the hell did they come from? <laughs> it was really random. This one, this was a loss of a of a segment. Not good. Welcome back to more WCW Monday Nitro. We are back in the locker room area, as promised earlier on. You made a plea to me, Deborah McMichael, to get an audience with the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. I may have done so with Bobby Heenan. Bobby, all she would like is to halt the carnage before it starts between her husband, Steve McMichael, Kevin Green, and Flair and Anderson. The guys are going to be coaching Sunday night in Baltimore. Now, you want to talk to Rick Flair and Aaron Anderson now? Tonight? Now, I have to talk to them tonight. Now, all week long and all night long, all week, you've been talking to Flair. Now you... I have not been talking all night. Now she wants to talk you to want to insult people again, right? Don't start that. Don't get involved. If you want to talk to Flair, follow me, Toots. Follow All right, me. Deborah, we're going to see if uh, Ric Flair will perhaps talk to you. This dressing room, locker room. Uh, here they are, the gals. I'll see if I can get some kind of a shot here. Okay. Hey, she just about took 
took the... Well, what, wait, wait a minute. Hey, what is going on? What have you done? What have you done, Blair? What have you done? Oh, no! My goodness sakes! What the... What's going on here? Anderson! Claire! Please! Ladies and gentlemen, get some help in here! Tina! Stop there! What in the world is going on? The bigger floor! Tony! Larry! Goodness sakes! I tell you, Gene, that's... We jump to the next match. Yep, Squire Dave Taylor coming out. Yeah, that, when he comes out, that we see highlights from last week with the Duggan match and all that Duggan and Regal match. And he's taken on, like you, like you said, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Hexo Jim Duggan. You by two by four, two by four, two by four. Got the American flag. A powerful new force. Hexo Jim Duggan. Powerful new force. I'm Hexo Jim Duggan. Yeah, then uh. USA. USA. I guess what that song. I see what we proceed the how last week the how Taylor stopped Duggan from using that two by four and all that. <laughs> then, and he's such a bad guy for doing that. Yes. Then Tony mentions that he got word that somebody stepped up to to take on Arn Anderson and Rick Flair in the main event. Yeah. And, and in place for Joel Comez and the Renegade. This is how somehow my Ruku found out about this, but. Found out before <laughs> yeah. Tony did. Right. That'd be Luger, right. Luger and Steen stepped up uh, to take on the horsemen, and they also were willing to put up their tag team titles as well. Yes. Yep. So, so I don't know. why would that? <laughs> you weren't going to put the tag titles against Joe Gomez and Renegade, but now that you took them out, you're going to put them up against a mystery team? Come on, Flair and Anderson. Oh, no, oh, Steen and Luger have the Flair titles. Oh, gosh. Come I'm on, I don't in the eye. That's okay. Sorry. Then, and, uh, once the two gentlemen get in the ring, how Duggan got the crowd into his chanting, USA, USA. <laughs> in my USA. notes, I read, <laughs> word for word, Duggan gets the folks jazzed up. Because <laughs> <laughs> if when I think about the jazz genre, the first person I think of is Hacksaw Jim Duggan and his 2 by 4 Well, when I think about people getting jazzy, I think of Dirty Dog Darcy. So how about that? I guess Jim Duggan and the Dirty Duck has something in common. The jazz genre. Yep. Okay, so we start off after the jazzing. Duggan uh, hits two big clothesline on Dave, but Taylor's able to get the upper hand, and while he's got the upper hand, 
my heart warms because he starts quoting Winston Churchill and he quotes one of his most famous um, one of his most famous speeches, which is from World War II when he's going, we will fight them on the beaches, we will fight them. And it just and it goes on. That was that was one of his big rallying cries for the British people. And I love that Dave Taylor is quoting it. It makes me so happy. Mr. Beverly Hills, to be or not to be, that is the question. <laughs> Another great British person you're quoting there. Mr. Beverly Hills, the God above gave me the power of the punch. Oh, gosh. I was quoting yep. another British person. Well, I know. I just love like you're, the two British people you know are <laughs> William Shakespeare and Stephen Riggle. Yes. <laughs> but I know you were kind of talking about it at the beginning of the match. One thing I enjoyed, got to laugh at, was when Hogan, or not Hogan, Duggan, went Hogan for a three point, when, when Duggan went for the three-point stance. Oh, you're you're setting me right up. So okay. he goes for the so he goes for the three point stance. Go ahead, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, he went for a three point stance, and he hit it, and only got a two count by the ropes, and counts his own three. But <laughs> yes. Taylor's foot was on the ropes. Dear, tough guy. <laughs> I just I win. <laughs> if that's the case, why doesn't everybody just do that right away? Do do their own quick count, and that's it. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm the winner. I counted my I counted my own three. Maxa told me how to do it. <laughs> it, it. You know what? When I go back to work, I might put some electrical tape in my shorts, and when a package comes down down the line, I might pull that pack that tape out of my trunks, my shorts, wrap it around my fist, and punch the box and say, "Hacksaw Jim Duggan taught me how to do it." No, I think you should like <laughs> you you should go. I don't know, like, punch in, then, like, quick punch out, and then, like, go to the office and try to write your own check and be like, <laughs> this is what this is what Axel Jim Duggan would do. He just counts his own, so I'm just I'm going to write my own check. <laughs> and say, ho, USA, yeah. and walk around. <laughs> just walk around the warehouse chatting, USA, with my thumb up in the air. Carrying a two by four. If you want to own the company, that's probably what you should do. Yes, because that's. Yeah. I know. You, I know you can see me doing that too. If I own the company, <laughs> pretty much. So after that fake three count, real real two count, um, uh, Taylor's able to hit a hit a European uppercut, um, but Duggan gets the illegal magic tape. And knocks Taylor out for three. And I just wrote, how is this okay? How is this an okay thing to do? Because Jim Duggan isn't an okay thing to do. So the winner is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Why why is, like, WCW all right with that? Because WCW has no authority. I I rated this match one half of a star, Beverly Hills. Oh, I wrote a star and a half. Fair enough. I... I guess I wasn't really into the match and all that, and I laughed at the pin spot by Duggan that you mentioned. You know, he cut his own pin and all that, and I guess his vintage Duggan on pulling a, a legal tape out of his trunks to punch out Squire Dave Taylor. Right. I just thought, you know, it wasn't a lot. It, there was, You know, there wasn't a lot to it, but it was executed correctly in what was there. Um, so that, yeah, that's why I went starting to have. Now we see a video package building up Mysterio and Malenko. 
Since yep. we're having our Cruiserweight title match on the Great American Bash this <laughs> Sunday in Baltimore. You got it. I was, as I noted before, it's nice to see a video package building up a match that we haven't seen on Monday Nitro. Since we, don't, we have no Saturday night footage on the network and all, so it's nice to see them implemented in our Nitro feed. Sure. Then we go backstage with Mean Gene, who's with the biggest of the blubbers <laughs> in the mouth of the South. Yeah. The biggest of the blubbers is cutting more of John Tinta's hair that he still has, which would kind of be awkward a little bit. It's gross. It's sick that he has a pile of, well, this is clearly fake hair, but it's gross that he would be carrying it around. It's gross that he is like holding and he keeps cutting it. I just, I don't like Bubba's relationship with this hair. Then we see a video package from when, yeah, when he cut off Tenta's hair. Yeah. And when Tenta said that he's not a shark, he's not a fish, he's a man, John Tenta. Yep. And also clips of him trying to cut Bubba with the scissors. Then Hart said that Tenta didn't pull his weight <laughs> in the Dungeon of Doom. And that's why yep, he got so he kicked loses out. His spot. Yep. If you, don't, if you don't pull your weight, baby, you lose your spot. And Bubba said that he gave him a reason to... Bubba gave gave Tenta... Give people a reason to laugh at Tenta by cutting off half his hair. Because they've been laughing behind his back for years. So I might as well just finally laugh in his face. Yep. In addition at the Great American Bash, it's going to be Big Bubba. Big Bubba, you've got something there that, well, at one time I would have wanted... It's uh, not a prerequisite at this uh, juncture. Jimmy Hart, I want to go back in time. A couple of weeks back, it was your man, Big Bubba, one of the members of the Dungeon of Doom, who blatantly and openly cut the locks of Shark, of Avalanche, of Big Johnson. And then this statement came up last week. I'm not an Avalanche. I'm a man. John Tanta. That was the announcement. He, He was... Not a fish. He was a man. And then came this blow last weekend. And with me at this time, Jimmy Hart, your man, Big Bubba, who's going to be facing John Tenta this Sunday at the Great American Bat. You know, John Tenta, the taskmaster said, if you don't pull your own weight in the Dungeon of Doom, then you suffer the consequences. And that's exactly what happened to you. <laughs> you know, Big Bubba, I know a bad barber when I see one. Big John Tenta, you say you're not a man that you're not a fish anymore, that you're a man. Well, I tell you what, I proved to the whole world by that haircut I gave you that you're nothing but a half a man. And I tell you what, the whole world's been laughing at you behind your back for years. <laughs> I just gave my reason to laugh at you to your face. And you think at the Great American Bash that you're going to get revenge on me by cutting my hair or the giant's hair? I'm going to leave you laying like a beach well you are and sweep you out with the trash. Thank Great you American very Bash. Much. Big Bubba, nice beard. Stay tuned. We've got more Monday Nitro when we return here on TNT. Then we get, you see, then we go to a commercial break. We come back from a commercial break, and mean Gene is. Is aisle side, and he welcomes from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Flash Norton. Yep, Scott Norton, the Flash from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Then this promo was very, very short since Norton was having has a lot of flashes going off in his eyes, in his ears, and in his brain, Beverly Hills. So we see from last week with a giant hook slam, Flash Norton, not once, but twice. And Norton said that the Giant is trying to end everybody's career with a chug slam. 
and Scott Norton ain't scared. I don't care, and I ain't scared. Let's get it on. Please welcome Challenger from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Scott Norton, The Flash. quickly remind these folks watching not only here but at home what happened last week let's very quickly go back i want to remind you of the awesome power of the man you're going to be meeting tonight the giant at 7-4 473 pounds what we got going around here is a seven foot four 450 pound plus giant trying to end everybody's career with a choke slam well let me tell you something i didn't take that choke slam not once but twice and here i am Right back in your face. You know why? Because I don't care, and I ain't scared. Oh, my word. We just saw it there, ladies and gentlemen. And Scott Norton heads to the ring. I must say, a mighty call order for him tonight. Let's get back to Tony and Larry. Then we get the match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship challenger from Minneapolis, Minnesota, as we noted Scott Flash Norton taking on the champion, the world champion, chip wrestling world champion, the giant, with his manager, the mouth of the South, the Yappa Pie Strap Master himself, Jimmy Hart. So I I trust you that it's a title defense because you, you take note of that stuff. What's your thoughts on Giant defending his title against folks like Scott Norton, um, Tenta, etc. What's your thoughts on those kind of title defenses? Okay. When Scott Norton was coming down, I'll answer your question in a moment. Scott no, Norton, just answer the question. Don't don't start reading your notes. Just answer the question. I I guess it's a I like it, but just, okay. just I like it because it shows that that Giant is a defending champion he's willing to defend it against anybody on the card okay now should that be the place of the world heavyweight champion or should that, that be the place of like the tv champion? should be the tv champion yeah that's but what i thought i think it was i don't mind it if they do it every once in a while because yeah the tv champion is challenging the world heavyweight champion at the pay-per-view so as i don't mind with the world title, saying, world champion saying, "Hey, I can do the same thing that you're supposed to do, and you're, and you're not." Yeah, but I feel like you know when you a lot of the criticisms about Bret Hart's reign from '95 is that he was defending his title against not worthy competitors, and I think he's the giant here is falling into the same thing, where like really the bet you know. The best we can come up with is Scott Norton, whom I love, but Scott Norton and, and John Tenta, who are nowhere near the main event. You know, yeah. I think I think those you can wrestle them, um, but I well, think that should be, be a non-title. Yeah, I, which I agree with. And because this is, according to the wiki page, I see this is for the world title, so I have to open up my one-of-a-kind Dr. Pepper Vanilla Float. 
just for you, Mr. Beverly Hills. And I was I was trying to say before I answer your question that we get a countdown from hour one to hour two when Norton came down. Then mm-hmm. the pyro went off when Norton got into the ring. And right when uh, Giant was starting to come down and all that, then Bischoff welcomes us to hour two Monday Nitro. Then, yeah, the Giant came, oh, yeah, the pyro went off, then Giant came down and all that to his Dungeon of Doom theme song. And I guess what's your, I don't think, have we talked about the the Dungeon of Doom's green mood lighting? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I haven't noticed, to be honest with oh, you. I just find it kind of funny seeing the giant walk down to the Dungeon of Doom's very quiet, hoo 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 theme song with the world title around <laughs> his waist. Yeah. And I, I've said it before, Giant looks extremely scary when he's that skinny enough to wear the world title around his waist. He looks <laughs> super impressive, in my opinion, and all that. So. Sure. Sure. And Flash, Flash Dorton flashed his way to gain the early advantage. I'll kick it to you to describe the match, Beverly Hills. Yeah, so like you said, Flash, he jumped Giant while he was talking to Jimmy, and he got the first shots, but Giant quickly reversed it. He threw him across the ring. He had a huge slam on Flash before choking him with his boot. Um, Norton was able to recover, and he hit a big, good-looking avalanche in the corner but he ate a boot himself. Um, they fight to the outside, and uh, Norton is is uh, you know taking it to the giant. But he hits, he runs into the ring post. Um, as he comes off of that shot, he eats a choke slam from the giant on the outside. Uh, giant rolls him in, and he gets the easy pin. Giant hooked the leg. As Larry Zabisco's yeah. note from earlier the night, <laughs> and I wanted to mention, wasn't that? To me, it would make sense that it hurt more to take the choke slam on the outside of the ring than inside the inside the ring, since the ring has has some kind of give to it. Sure. But so the winner is the Giants, still our reigning and defending WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And I ready this match, Mister Beverly Hills. Two choke slams of a star, so two stars. Two two stars, nice, nice. I thought it was one star, um, but I could see going higher because I think that. This is a good example of, although it was a very short match, it still made um, Norton look strong because he was fighting back, even though Giant is huge. Um, but all that it took was he ran into the post and then he got a choke slam on the outside. Yeah, well, to, that, that would take anybody out. Yeah, to me, it made both men look strong, like you yeah. said. Flash Norton, you know, had the advantage of the Giant for a good part of the match. Then it was one simple mistake that got Norton, that gave the Giant the advantage in all that. Then Norton just turned around, ate the chokes on the outside of the ring, like you said. I don't know what that I mentioned, too. I've been joining the series that it only takes one finisher of the Giant to lay anybody out. Yeah, yep. So I Keeping your I, champion strong, that's important. And I appreciated that, that you know, like I said, it... Made both guys look strong. That's why I read it higher than you. Yeah, for sure. Then when Gi- then Giant was going for a second choke slam, then Lux Luger came out and tried to attack the Giant, but the Giant threw Ra- Luger out of the rain and, and all that. Then I see yep. he clears off the Horseman table because yes. he's going to choke slam him it. Because in my notes, I didn't, didn't make any sense. I'm happy you got that. Got my back <laughs> about that. Then the Giant I do always hit, the Giant hit a super kick. Yeah, yeah, then he said, yeah, grab Flair's table and set it up for the The giant choke. had a super kick? That's why 
It uh, looked like a super kick. He might have. I don't have it in my nose, but I, he very well could have. It, it was actually a side kick. I put down a super kick, but... Amazing. Then, yeah, then the Flatter's dinner table was was there. Then, then it was going to set up uh, Luger for a choke slam through it, but Luger hit a few cheap shots, and the Dungeon of Doom came out. He hit him with the champagne bucket yes. from, the, from the horseman table. Then the Dungeon of Doom came out to save the giant, and Luger walked off, like, nonchalantly. And, uh-huh. the, and the giant stormed out to find him, and Luger grabbed a mic. And Can said I that, say what giant said first? Yeah, go ahead. Luger! <laughs> and Luger said that the giant fears pain, and that the bash, the giant will feel more pain. <laughs> and then he dropped this line first. He goes, one for you, one for me. I got a lot of surprises for you. <laughs> we go to commercial we come back <laughs> with our next match Billy Kidman taking on our favorite that should have been WCW World Champion in 1996 Lord Steven Regal with Jeeves yeah young young Billy Kidman looking literally 16 years old is this our first setting of Billy Kidman, Kidman in, in, in this series yeah yeah okay Awesome. Then uh, that's the only note I have for before this match. So, ding, 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 the bell rings, and I kick it to you, Mr. Beverly Hills. Awesome. So, I don't know if there's this, like, sub-storyline going on, or if it's just something that, like, the Blue Bloods and Jeeves are working together. But, like, earlier, Dave Taylor, like, threw Jeeves down the ramp, and then in this match... Regal, like, looks at Jeeves with a really angry look, so I don't know if, if we're, like, setting something up here or what, but I like it. Um, so Regal takes over really quick at the beginning here with an uppercut, um, a cravat, some some stomps, but Kidman is able to fire up and hit a drop kick and a roll-up for two. Um, he goes up, and he goes for a 450 off the top, but he misses, and when he misses, Regal dances, <laughs> and I die because I am so happy. Uh, Just he, as, he's like, so Regal's Regal's so happiness in 1996 translates to Beverly Hills being happy in 2015. 100%. Yep. So then Regal yeah. Regal hit an overhead belly to belly play. Yep. And then he follows up with a stump puller. Which I noted. Submission. Which I note look like a lion tamer looking submission. That didn't uh, no- a little bit. A little bit. That did more note that. The, more of the head forward. Yeah. Then I noted that Bischoff called it a stump puller. Then, as yep. you said, Willem Regal wins in less than a minute. I read this match one star Beverly Hills. I went star and three quarters because I love William Regal. Yeah, I felt like it was quick. It needed to be what it was for Regal yeah. to put him over for yep. his match against Steen on the pay-per-view on Sunday. It gave Kidman a quick offense and showed off that he could do a 450 splash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is another... All the matches in this show, while we're not... While neither of us are rating them very highly, they're like perfect TV matches. Yeah. Like, um... Everything that's done is done fairly well. Um, both competitors, in most cases, are kept looking strong. Um, so far, this is a winner of a Nitro. Then we go to a commercial for Nitro comeback. Our next well, on that, on that first, the bumper into the yeah, commercial. Tell us, tell us about the bumpers. It's uh, Nasty Boys 
working and nasty and public enemy's gonna get burned okay then we come back from a commercial and the next match is yes Mr. Beverly Hills eluded Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags of the nasty villain themselves the nasty boys take on everybody's enemy Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock yeah the Nasty Boys theme song, they sing themselves. We're the boys. We're the, boys. We're the, na- We're the boys. We're the Nasty Boys. boys. It, it, We're the boys. I know, love that You know, song. Mr. Beverly Hills, if we ever change our theme song, <laughs> I want us to do that, our version of that Nasty Association theme song. Well, let me tell you how it go. Main event. Main, <laughs> Main event. event. Main event status radio. I love it. So I just recorded it right now. Woo-hoo. That's kind of what I do sometimes. Just record music, you know. Just I whatever. Uh, get, just kind of on the side a little you, bit, just you, for fun. You gotta do something on the weekends. Yeah. Well, exactly. So so this pub, match. Yeah, Public Enemy ran out. I have ten thousand notes on this match. Go ahead. Because it is insanity. It is craziness from beginning to end. It is nonstop. I have to ask you, did the bell even ring to start the match? I don't know. Okay, because I asked that in my notes, you don't know. There's the beginning (laughs) bell. So there you go, Beverly Hills. Kick it. I'm kicking it to you. So we got brawling inside and out. Uh, Sags gets thrown into the jail, and I put into the jail. Probably should have gotten thrown into the jail. He's thrown into the rail, uh, and one of the enemy puts his jacket over his head like a hockey fight and beats him up like like that. I kind of like that. Um, Nobs hit a bulldog onto Grunge, and he goes up and, and hit a clothesline onto him. I just wrote pure craziness for like the first two minutes. Then, very strangely, everybody's just like, okay, now it's time for a regular tag match. Yes. <laughs> and they that, like walk to the corners and. That, that made me laugh because I took note that it looks like the brawl turned into a traditional tag team match and the bell still doesn't ring. <laughs> Those kind of matches are so strange where. Like, it's okay, I think, in my opinion, for a regular match to kind of devolve into a brawl. It's very weird for a brawl to evolve into a normal match. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, okay. I was hoping you would say a brawl would dissolve into a traditional take match. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, all right, okay, now we're just having a normal match. All right, whatever. This shot puts over that one of the arms of the enemies was broke the night before. Yeah, a grunge, Johnny okay. Grunge. Then, his hand. Yep. And Bischoff said that WCW is where the big boys play. <laughs> yeah. then, I, then I had to ask, is it smart for the big boys to play with a broken bone? <laughs> That's because they're big boys, man. In Beverly Hills, what do you suggest sending one of your students to go play football with a broken bone? Oh, um, if the doctor cleared them. Okay, uh, so I guess they... well, the Emmy's got a, a doctor's note. Yep, that's what... That's how it works. If oh. if you, this is actually a good question. Yeah, if you have something like that, that, like if you had a broken bone in your hand, if you went to the doctor, and they said you were okay, cleared you for competition, and then he, he either he or she or some type of athletic trainer 
would fit you with some type of pad, which we see Johnny Grunge, he like he uses the cast as a weapon. Either we'd have to or the athletic trainer would find something to make it soft so it wouldn't hurt anybody, then you could play. Okay. I wanted to ask and also since Good I, question. Yeah, I wanted I like to take note of different wrestlers' attires. For some reason the nasty boys' black tights remind me of yoga pants. Oh, 100%. They're totally, totally. I'm I'm so with you. They are not like wrestling tights. They're like tights that a woman would wear to work out. 100%. Okay, since yes. we're talking about the Nasty Boys as a tighters, have we talked about their, their spray paintish ass t-shirts before? I don't believe so. I kind of like that kind of design since nobody else really used it before. Yeah, I mean, it's super outdated, but whatever. I, I liked it, so. Yeah, okay, we talked cool. about their attire. Let's get back to... Back to the match. Um, okay, so after it dissolves into a normal match, uh, Grunge is in the corner. The Nasties are slapping him, um, but the enemy take over uh, quickly. But then they're hit by a double clothesline from Sags and uh, a nutshot leg drop from Sags on to Grunge. Um, let's see, Grunge. He he got a foot up onto Knobs, and they take over on him in the corner for a little bit. And uh, as we're going to commercial, Sag sets Grunge up for a pile driver and hits it right as we're fading out. And during the commercial, we see another Glacier commercial. Yes, sir. He's slowly making his way to World Championship Wrestling. It's he's he is moving at the pace of a glacier. Then we in come, fact, then we come back from the commercial, and the enemies were taunting, had the advantage on knobs. Yeah, the cabbage patch. They do the cabbage patch. So, uh, so yeah, because yeah. Rock hit a back elbow, and then after he did that, he did the cabbage patch. Yes. <laughs> so Grunge, he um, got hit by a double sledge from Knobs, and they're both down for a second. Did you take note of Bischoff calling out Grunge's timing at all? No, what did he say? Okay. I, I, I didn't take the take down the Zach Cope. I wrote down that Bischoff called out Grunge's timing in the ring because of the pain he's in due to, have, due to having a broken hand. Oh, okay. Which to me makes sense. I never had a broken bone back in, you know, I say for like really bad migraine headaches. I can understand since I'm not fully there with a headache. I'm assuming that, you know, broken bones a million times worse than a bad migraine headache. So I can understand that. I, I, I enjoyed hearing Bishop trying to explain that to the viewers at home. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good save. And I mean, he is right. Like, uh, trying, trying to, again, if we're talking about like playing or coaching or whatever. Uh, expecting a person with a broken bone to have the same um, performance would would be asking a lot. So, yeah. Um, Okay. So, yeah, let's just fast forward a little bit. The Nasties cleared the ring of both of the public enemy. Um, Rock left. (laughs) He just, like, went up the ramp. And when he was doing that grunge, he unbandaged his arm. He took his cast off or whatever, the the soft cast. Um, Rock is back, and he's got a trash can, and he's going to hit uh, Nobs, but Nobs hits him first. I, and, I noted that Nobs attacked him before he got trashed. <laughs> and it leads to a great uh, line from Bischoff, backfire! <laughs> <laughs> so... Sags got Rocco in a in a pump handle slam, and Knobs uh, was gonna go up top and hit him, but Grunge knocked him down. 
Um, uh, we Rock got, got. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say right on that time we got double vision screen. Okay. Yeah. Where it's funny when they do the double vision screen, like. 90% of the screen is flames. Yeah. <laughs> and these little tiny pictures of what's going on. <laughs> so Rock had a pin, but uh, I don't know if the ref wasn't there or something. I wrote Rock with a pin, but doesn't come through. Yes. I'm not sure what that means. I don't know either. So Sags hit him with a garbage can to get, it, to get him off the ropes because he was going to go up there. And now, now. After all of this, all of the dear viewer, after all of the things that have happened, now Nick Patrick calls for the bell. I want to, yeah, I had to since my notes I wrote down the bell started to ring. Whatever, I have no clue what's going on. Whatever. So, public enemy win by DQ. Do they? I don't even know. Or is it a double DQ? I don't know. According to my where I checked my notes, they said public enemy okay. win by DQ, but. Whatever. Okay. I read this match. Trash can full of Dave Meltzer's duds. I wrote the here. I uh, rated this a da 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 Yeah, this saw this match sucked mostly because like it was sloppy, um, but for the most part because it had a shitty finish. Yes, a shitty finish. Yeah, it uh, it made no sense. It looked to be clearly a no disqualification match, and then randomly we are done. DQ. Yeah, it's so it's so bad. Then we get another Hogan video package. It no, is the please. exact same video from the past two weeks. So please don't describe yeah, it. Yeah. So I said whatever. I'm <laughs> over it. So then we go to a commercial. We come back with a video package of Mongo and Kevin Green training for their pay per view match. Yes. With this video package, I'm kind of excited to see the tag team match of the pay-per-view. Yes. Since, you know, with the pa- past few weeks of tag matches between, with Flair and Anderson, I, I'm pretty sure those two can hopefully carry a good good match out of those fo- two football jocks. <laughs> but in the, in, the, uh, in the video, that Macho walks around in a cutoff final in pink and green tights. Yes. And I guess that's his street gear. <laughs> Yes, this is what you see Macho Man walking around, going to the grocery store. <laughs> I am um, I'm sad we could you know, live in the same town as Macho and he was still allowed to see if he still walked on that kind of street attire. Macho goes, if, if Mongo and Green need a nut who can help them beat the horsemen, then I'll be the head cashew brother. <laughs> Macho. The head cashew. <laughs> Macho has his way with words, Beverly Hills. And then he's like, you can't be too intense. You need to know the ropes. <laughs> Mr. Beverly Hills. Oh, my God. I am sad that Macho had to start rapping to Mongo and Green. Oh, my gosh. If he was like... You want some more? Hit the floor. <laughs> Remember me. I'm a sable macho that I used to be. Yes. Still the writing kina. Remember me. Coming right back at you, the macho man. <laughs> Mom goes in the club, slam the jam. Yes. <laughs> so we get our next match, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yes. And this is for the Dusty Roads, baby. No, hello, daddy. Yep. 
So for the WCW World Tag Team Championships, the champions, Stinny Lex Luger, taking on the horsemen known as Art Anderson, Ric Flair, who is with woo, Miss Elizabeth, baby, and woman. <laughs> Man called Sting! Man called Sting! Sting. <laughs> the WCW music before it started just being knockoffs of different like popular songs was awesome. Yeah, I, like, I don't Steiner know. Steinerized man called Sting. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast before. Since I don't think we did, since we haven't reviewed any early early nineties WCW. But right. I remember when you and I would used to hang out together back in our college days. If we could get a, our hands on a early nineties pay per view or show, we loved singing along <laughs> with the theme songs. Like you said, yeah, Steinerized totally. Sting's theme song. Radish and Rick Rude's simply radishing yep, theme right. song. Those were great times, Daddy. <laughs> Gosh, now you got me thinking about simply ravishing, and I love that song. Simply ravishing, dazzling, <laughs> anyway, anyway, Steen left his face paint how it was after his match against yes. Maine, which I, I enjoy. I'm happy he didn't monkey around with it trying to put it back on. <laughs> yeah. When, so then Flair and Arn come out, and Flair cuts an amazing promo walking down the ramp. goes, Macho, you know what they say? Lonely women make great lovers. <laughs> I was going to say, talk about you know, lovely ladies. <laughs> I, I know I think we mentioned this within the last few weeks, but women and Liz, holy moly, ninety six, they're beautiful, and they're their beauty right. still translates to twenty fifteen. All these years, all these years later, holy moly, ladies, rest in peace. You <laughs> yeah. were beautiful, you still are. Yeah, you know that's something that's uh, is to be noted about like Liz. And, you know, I, I was pretty harsh on Liz last week. I was just listening to the podcast before I, um, before we came on today, and I was like, woof, I was kind of rough on her. But she looks, you know, in 1986, 1996, uh, 2000, um, she looks timeless. Yeah. She doesn't look dated, which a lot, you know, if you look 1986 and you look at, the popular well, hell, look at shows or anything. Oh, sure. Well, well, yeah, she different. You know, different category, yeah. but kind of different circumstances there too. But kind of but talk yeah. about talk about Liz. I thought she got hotter with age. You <laughs> well, know, like she's got cougar. Go- you're you're a cougar man. Because I know, like, in what, the late- what would you, would you maybe say that she doesn't get older? She gets better. Yes. <laughs> but WCW throwback. Yes, I. You know, I, you know, like in the when she was in the WWF, I guess with Macho in the mid '80s, she was stunning. I guess in the Mega Powers era, I wasn't really that impressed with her. But you know, into <laughs> WCW, holy moly, absolutely stunning! Like you said, she doesn't get older, baby. Woo! She She's gets better. better. Yep, that's me. Like man. I said, woman and Liz, rest in peace, ladies. Hope to see you sometime in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so as Flair and Arn are walking down, the announcers are talking about Joe Gomez again. <laughs> and I wrote, I kind of want 
Joe Gomez to never debut. Like they just every week talk about him and they're like, Joe Gomez debuting this week and he just never does. It's actually very similar. Um, and I thought they did a great job with it. Um, do you re- I don't know if you were even watching at the time. Uh, Brodus Clay. He was going to debut for like two months. Every week they're like, debuting this week is Brodus Clay. And John John Laurinaitis would be backstage talking about, I got Brodus Clay. Brodus Clay is set to debut this week. He's going to be awesome. And he didn't for a very, very long time. And then finally he did, and it was the Somebody Call Your Mama. I, I wasn't funny. watching at that time, but I was listening to a podcast and you know, reviewing shows about that. I remember hearing the podcasters rant and rave about, like, why isn't this Otis <laughs> Clay fellow appearing? Like, what the hell? He's been advertised for two months. Sure, but I think that's funny. <laughs> somebody call my mama. Well, somebody, yeah. Talk about somebody calling mama theme song. For a while, I had that as Mother D's ringtone that's what she calls me <laughs> and that's freaking good man. That's talk, cool. talk about somebody calling mama and brodus clay at, when, when i was hanging out with a fellow friend of many event status radio ross when i was hanging out with him at, at, during wrestlemania 28 when brodus clay came out and all that and he said people pull out your cell phones and call your mama so Dude, like, I was there. Yeah, you were there. You were, <laughs> so remember this. So remember this. I pulled my phone out and I called Mother D. Yes, you did. And she's like, "What are you doing? Are you having fun? What? You're calling me during the pay per view? How is it going? <laughs> what? Boris Clay? Who's that? <laughs> yep, that's uh, folks. Listen, fellow, you know, dear listener. This is exactly what happened. This is, he is not exaggerating or uh, telling a tale in any way. Well, talk about WrestleMania 28. Do you remember how depressed I was when Chris Jericho lost? Who did he lose to? CM Punk. Uh, I can't recall that much. I remember you were very uh, disappointed with the Dale O'Brien thing, though. Yes, but and to I'm sure you might remember after Chris Jericho lost. I asked our buddy Ross if I could take a shot of whatever alcohol he had, and he let me take a shot of whatever kind of alcohol he, hard alcohol he had. God, that's right. That's it, so weird. <laughs> yes. I was depressed, but let's get back. Something that isn't depressing is this match. And I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I found it interesting that a good number of fans were on their feet and standing on their chairs See what's go- what was going on when Arn Anderson and Ric Flair got into the ring. Well, heck yeah, man! I would I would dare say this is the four biggest stars in the promotion at this time. For sure, yeah. Yeah, would you would you go? Th- I'd well, go that far. So well, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Well, because well, you know, three of the four, were, you know, approach. Well, I guess you know, well, I guess three of the four went to WWF and came back. Sure. But though, you know, if somebody would, if anybody would ask, or somebody would ask a WCW fan in 1996. Who are the court four cornerstones of WCW? Yeah. You'll most likely say these four guys. Yeah, there's a really good chance. I'd say these, uh, if you were to say, like, most people's top five, these four are going to be in it. Yeah, And then sure. maybe with Giant, Hogan, and Macho mixed in there. But these are definitely up there. So we start off and Flair is dance, dancing around the ring, doing a little strut. Sting pushes him down. 
point. And I noted that if Flair slapped Sting, then Sting shoved him to the floor, yep. and the fans popped for that. <laughs> and then Flair got up, and he started dancing again. And talking about, you know, that Ric Flair is in red trunks, and everybody else is in black. <laughs> I have to know, because, so you say, you said, if, uh, to take note of the titles if it's something different, and Ric Flair is wearing something different. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyways. So anyways. What? <laughs> Beverly Hills, I'm shaking it back to normality. Come back. Come back. Let's talk about this match. I'm having a meltdown. <laughs> Do I need to produce some champagne? <laughs> oh, gosh. So Luger, he got a press slam on Flair, and he clotheslined a bunch of times, but, um, and then Sting, yeah, Sting bashed Flair to get him to run away. <laughs> um, I thought this, this match, and just in general, the booking is kind of strange, because Sting and Luger, they've main evented every show so far as a tag team, um, even though Sting, you know, that first one was just a Sting singles match, but it was as part of their tag team feud. Yeah. Um, but then at the Bash, different match, you know, singles matches, right? So I think yeah. it's very, it's, this is a kind of weird, weird deal. Um, okay, so Luger's really throwing Flair around, another press slam. Uh, Flair did one of his Flair flips where he goes over the turnbuckle, walks down the the ring apron and Sting punched him. Next, I did did note that yeah, right only Luger was fl- uh, was uh, flipping uh, Flair around and all that. That yeah. that uh, Luger hit a standing vertical suplex on Flair, and I thought that was picture perfect quality yeah. suplex. Bischoff says that Luger's so strong that he could torture rack a Lincoln. <laughs> I'm sure he could torture rack President Lincoln. <laughs> I actually had to listen to that again because I thought he was talking about something about like the Lincoln Memorial, but then I realized that he was just all Lincoln. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Sting stops Anderson, and he slow, and this match slows down a lot here. Um, Arn is is trying to to bring Sting to the mat, but Sting keeps popping up. And it, it culminates in a face buster for Arn and a f- press slam for Flair. Okay, Mr. Beverly Hills? Yeah. Right all this time, Eric Bischoff was talking about Nitro parties. Okay. And he wants listeners to take pictures of their Nitro parties right. and send it in. And, mm-hmm. and it could possibly be on a future edition of Monday Nitro. Right. And I want to ask, should we take a picture of our... Nitro party of us podcasting and send it in. A hundred percent. Okay. I got I got my camera out. <laughs> I'm gonna please smile, Beverly Hills. One, two, three, picture. Okay, I'm gonna take another closer picture. One, two, three, picture. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm gonna send that in to Eric Bischoff. I hope our Nitro Party gets selected. Perfect. So uh, after that House of Fire moment from Sting, Flair like ran to his VIP section and he grabbed a chair and he's like gonna bring it back, but he like throws it down before he gets to the ring. And Arn, meanwhile, is calling for a timeout, and we go to commercial. Okay, as we come, 
Oh, go ahead. No, I was saying we come back, and I'm just trying to find yep. where everything's at my notes. But yeah, continue. Right on. So as we come back from commercial, uh, Sting hits an atomic drop on Arn. Um, Flair gets tagged in, and uh oh, Sting is ripping chops on Sting, but they have no effect. Missed Singer Splash. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know who's chopping. <laughs> okay, I assume we, well. I had my notes. Sting and Flair were in the ring, so Sting, yeah. Sting missed a Stinger Splash to Flair. So I assume well, one of those two is giving each other chops. And well, Flair, yeah. Well, that's what I, I know. That I, I, I don't know who's don't, chopping though. Uh, let's say they're chopping Nick Patrick. <laughs> yeah. So that, Flair goes up to the top ropes. Sting grabbed um, him. Yep. Yep. And you have Sting. Th- oh, sorry. I have a quote from Eric Bischoff uh, in regards to Sting throwing Flair off the top rope, and I quote, "Slam dunked to the, into the center of the ring." Right on. Yep. Eric Bischoff. You got it. So Sting hit a top rope clothesline, but he's pulled off the cover by Arn. Um, Sting hit another top rope vertical suplex here. Uh. Arn hits the beautiful spine buster, but Luger pulls him off. Yes. Sting was able to nut Arn on the ropes, uh, but it's right by Flair's corner, and he tags him in, and he hits a huge chop on Sting. Flair tries for a vertical suplex, but as he's doing it, he hilariously grabs his back like Sting is too heavy. <laughs> um. Yep, so Sting tries to roll up Flair, Arn throws him off. Sting tries for another roll up, but the ref's distracted by Lex. Um, Flair throws Sting into the guardrail. Uh, yeah, let's go to the finish here. <laughs> the, crowd seemed, the crowd seems really agitated. And I wrote, I wonder what's happening. Oh, here comes the giant. Yes. Luger meets him. They start to hammer on each other. Um. Luger tries to do a charge into the corner, but Giant just puts his fist up, <laughs> and he runs into it. And, okay. the, and the ref calls for the bell. Right on. Uh, Scott Steiner's out now with a wooden chair, and Sting has one as well. And all of them are beating on the Giant, but nobody can bring him down. And I throw Giant is getting put over very well here. So but before we go, continue more. Stin and Luger retain the taking titles to be via disqualification. Beverly Hills, how do you rate this match? I rate this match three stars. Okay. I will go with you and say three stars. I originally had it two stars and nine-tenths of a star, but I'll bump it up a tenth of a star and say it's three. I would have been a little bit better if the if there wasn't a disqualification finish. Sure. But I sure. understand since it's, you know, continuing the program with Luger and Giant. Right on. So then, like you said, Scotty and, and all that stink ran in with chairs, and which took three guys to attack the giant and all that fun jazz. And then Jimmy Hart talked, you know, giant, calmed giant down, pulled him away, and they walked off. Then, well, Mean Gene yeah, is with him. Mean though, Gene yes. caught the giant and Jimmy Hart, Iowa. Giants yep. at the pay per view, there will be no rules for the match. Luger, you're dead, man. No rules, baby. Just the way I get. I guess Luger will be leaving on a stretcher. I promise you're going to be going out on a stretcher. 
I love it when you do the giant impersonation of Beverly Hills and you smile. <laughs> I love it. That's that's how I make my voice like that is I gotta kinda like stretch my cheeks. Then we go back to Bishop and Heenan at the color booth. Yep. And Heenan is hot about Savage and he won't let He's going nuts. And he doesn't want Savage to touch him at the pay per view because he's wearing glasses, he has bad a bad neck, he isn't taking any money from Liz and all that right. fun stuff. Yep. Then what then what happens after that, Beverly Hills? Uh the the invader is back. Yeah, then the invader comes back a razor Ramon, then Bisha yeah, then yeah, when 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 he didn't noted Razor was walking up, he didn't hide tilt and then Bishop's yeah, like gets, he gets back out of there. Bishop's like, Oh yeah, it looks like you're over it or get, you know, he teases he didn't about something, then when he realizes why he didn't ran <laughs> off, then then you know, Bishop took off his headset and grabbed him Mike's like, Okay, where is he? Where's your big surprise? And he, you, you said know, you had him, I don't see him. And how he's pointing him, you know, pointing behind him and all that and Bischoff was playing stupid and all that, not knowing what he was talking about. Then the Nash Prince walked up and grabbed Bischoff by the shoulder and turned around and grabbed a mic. You've been sitting here for the last six months running your mouth. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective! Play! <laughs> and then Nash was calling Nitro lame and Bischoff didn't want any trouble and Nash said that he's going to kick his teen teeth down his throat. Then, then I had to take, take note of Nash's line, which I loved. Nash asked where Hogan was, filming another episode of, I think he said, Wonder in Paradise? Bl- yeah, Blunder, Blunder in Paradise. Blunder, that's what I thought. Blunder in Paradise? Yep. And Bischoff? Well, he asked, he asked where Bischoff's three guys were, and he, say, he said perhaps they were at the, peri- the paleontologist or dialysis. <laughs> think which of it, I, I, I laughed. That made me laugh. I know... Nash also dropped like another reference that may have made sense in '96. Do you take note of that? <laughs> he said it was, he said something was like uh, that they were with Marge Shot reading Mein Kampf or something like that. Marge Shot was the owner of the Cincinnati Reds, and she got in some really hot water because uh, she's uh, pretty much a raging racist and uh, um, an anti-Semite. So she kind of had to sell the team. Uh, so, so yeah, that was going on in '96. So what are what am I hanging out with Hulk Hogan being? Oh taped? no, no, no! Ah, la, 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 la. Anyway, then Bischoff said that he'll go, go to the CNN towers to the WCW offices in, on Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, and he'll find somebody to fight them, to fight them, and all that. And he he uh, gave Holland Nash an invitation to show up in Baltimore at the Great American Bash, yep. and they. And not Nash accepted and said, the measuring stick just changed and you're looking at it. Yep, and he threw Bischoff on the table and t- and uh, Bischoff does the cut symbol and they're done. It happens when you count down no, to a major... let me tell you something. Let me tell the world something. Savage is out there watching. Do you think you're going to tear me apart? Put your dirty dirty hands around my body at the great american bash you you and this whole world is wrong i don't have any beef with you i didn't take money from flair that was filtered through your ex-wife to give to me you're badly mistaken i wear glasses i don't want to be touched or bothered sounds to me like bobby heenan you are backpedaling you are really backpedaling now Wait a minute. 
Wait a minute. I don't want any trouble with you. I don't want any trouble with you here now. But I do have to point out, you came out here last week. Where is it? The big surprise. I mean, I heard a lot of talk, but where's the walk? What? I'm here. Where is it? out here for six months running your mouth this is where the big boys play huh look at the adjective play we ain't here to play now he said last week that he was gonna bring somebody out here I'm here you still don't have your three people. And you know why? Because nobody wants to face us. This show's about as interesting as Marge Schott reading excerpts from Mein Kampf. No trouble here tonight, man. Speak your piece and live Yeah, no trouble because you know I'll kick your teeth down your throat. Your three guys. You what? You couldn't get a paleontologist to get a couple of these fossils cleared. You ain't got enough guys off a dialysis machine to get a team. Yeah, where's Hogan? Where's Hogan? Out doing another episode of Blunder in Paradise. Where's the macho man, huh? Doing some Slim Jim commercial? Hey, we're here. You want to say something? Look, I don't have the authority right here, right now. You want to fight? Fight is it with me. You want three guys? Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, I'm going to be in Atlanta. I'll be in the offices of WCW. I'll try and get you your fight. And you know what? Live this Sunday in Baltimore, Great American Bash. You guys want to show up? You want to fight? You show up, I'll see if I can get you your fight. I don't know about you, but hey, they love us in Baltimore. Hey, hey big man, I say me and you, we'd be at the bash. Maybe these punks want to fight. Yeah. I'll be there. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. which I very, very, very well enjoyed in all that, which I felt like this Bischoff, I felt like, sold greatly on who the big surprise is, and I'm happy that Scott Hall did not even have to say one word, and Nash cut probably one of the best promos he ever cut in his professional wrestling career yes. and probably ever in his life. I would agree with you. 
Okay, before we before we cut it or go to the thrilling conclusion or anything, I have a fantasy booking idea. Okay, go ahead. That I want to float. Instead, I feel like one of the big problems with the NWO ends up being Eric Bischoff. I think he's always too cool for school. I think a lot of it is him. So here's my idea. Bischoff wasn't, isn't the guy who ends up joining. The guy who ends up joining, Bobby Heenan. So every time they come out, Bobby Heenan gets out of there. How does... How do they have a way into the arena? It's got to be somebody who works there. It's got to be somebody who works there. Um, How does Bobby Heaton know that it's Hulk Hogan who's going to be the third man? Um, You know, for all these years, he's been working to get rid of Hogan. But just like Hogan was sick of being a good guy... Heenan was sick of fighting him, so now he joins him. Wow. And I think he would have cut way better promos than Eric Bischoff. I would. I like that idea. But, Thank you. So we might as well take a quick break, and we'll be right back with a thrilling, thrilling conclusion here <laughs> on Made Event Status Radio. Sunshine, how dare you violate one of my Deathly Taker positions, the podcast. How do you do that, you ask? I turned off the router last weekend. With every birth certificate comes a death certificate, and yours will be signed at WrestleMania 11. Daddy Sunshine. The power that you hold in that router draws you ever closer to your final demise. At WrestleMania, you come to face, to face with your Reaper. I will fill the router with the soul of Daddy Sunshine and Mother D. All right, here we are. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're going to do it. I already said it a bunch of times last time, so you know what it is. So let's talk about let's talk about the jobber in Beverly Hills. My jobber for the podcast has to be Flash Norton because he got chokeslammed twice last week, took a giant chokeslam on the floor, and got pinned in less than two minutes. <laughs> sure. My jobber is Joe Gomez. Fair enough. <laughs> He's getting hyped up for his big debut, and we don't even see him. Then my main event set of start for the episode has to be the Giant, because he looked great in his match against Flash Norton. You know, beat him in less than two minutes. And I, and I felt like he looked great in the main event. When he came out, I took three guys just to fight him off and all that. Man, that's a really good pick. I, I'm not sure where I want to go with this, because like we said... No match was really like a super standout or anything, so it's hard to like point to, you know, it's a go home show. It's not 
meant to be anything like great shakes. Um, I might have to go with Steven Regal again. Like that, uh, that was probably my favorite match was um, him and Billy Kidman. I thought he looked really good, so I think I'm gonna go with him again. You know, Mr. Beverly Hills. What's up? Before we do the plugs and all that, I got the picture developed of our Nitro party, <laughs> and I want to send it, send the, send you the JPEG file. Let's see if this, okay. let's see if this works on the Skype machine, and I want to uh, get your rea- get your beautiful reaction. Okay. So I'm sending it to you. Let's see if you uh, get I'm it excited. and all that. I am. I'm excited to get your reaction live here on the podcast. Okay. All right. It's going slow, but you know it is. Uh, it is 1996. You're sending it via the mail. Yes. What? Can oh, it I has see? 14 minutes remaining. Oh no, it's a little, It's going a little faster. You know the mailmen do take their time. You know they're government workers, but hey, I'm okay with them. Take their time because they need. So you're saying that maybe instead of sending things via USPS, we should. Uh, think about different no, shipping. I'm, I'm okay things, with that. Right? They, they need Whoa, to feed their families, that's too. That's competition. I don't care. Beverly Hills is in 1996. I have no competition. <laughs> You're like so nine years old. When that's, when that's downloading, I do have a uh, quick question. Could the WWE do something similar with the outsiders? Okay, <laughs> you're laughing. You got it. <laughs> Why am I so hairy? <laughs> I'm so hairy. Okay, explain this picture, Beverly Hills. <laughs> so this is me and you confront me and you confronting Eric Bischoff, and I am Scott Hall, and you are Kevin Nash, and I have a blonde mullet. And my chest and stomach are so hairy. (laughs) But I love it. Hey, Mr. Beverly Hills, I am about to buy a frame, but I also got this printed off. Oh, my gosh. So I want to thank Dean Stuff for this awesome artwork. It's beautiful. Check him out. It's so good. Listeners, check him out on Twitter at Dean underscore Stahl, S-T-H-E. L, check him out. He's awesome. If you need artwork done, oh sorry, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I'm pulling a Bill Mercer. So, so yeah, check him out. I will be uploading this picture with the podcast. So Beverly Hills, I am happy you like that artwork. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so good. So I do have a quick question. Do you think WWE could do a similar Outsiders angle with NXT stars nowadays? Yeah, I do. Well, I mean, they they kind of tried it with the Nexus, though. And, yeah, it didn't really work. It's maybe a little too. Oh, it worked great well, that at, first at the, at start. That now. Fir- yeah, at the at the start, it looked amazing, but af- they kind of crapped it out. Um, but I'm sorry, I get distracted by my Harry Dolly. <laughs> but I'm, um, ha- I'm happy you like the picture, Beverly Hills. I I love when Dean when Dean sent me the. Uh, pencil version, I loved it. Like, I'm excited to see what it looked like with, you know, the comic book, you know, with uh, so graphic bad. arts and all that. I, I loved it. And when I got it in the mail this past week, I loved it. I couldn't wait to record this episode with you just to send that file and get your reaction. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, guys, he's a, he is a fantastic artist. I today favorited a tweet of his, which was a picture of um, Frosty the Snowman and uh, the Bumble from uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as if they were a tag team managed by uh, Hermie the Elf from <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He did a fantastic job on that. Uh, he is a great, great artist. Pay him for his work, definitely. So we might as well do the plugs for the podcast, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yes, let's you got, do it. You guys can listen to us at our website, maineventstatus.com. Again, that's maineventstatus.com. You guys can, can check us out over at our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Radio. Again, that's soundcloud.com slash Radio. There's a third magical way, Mr. Beverly Hills, people can listen to us. What is that third magical way? Well, I would love it if you guys listen to us on iTunes uh, and please rate, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we really want to climb those ranks. We really want to catch up to the Ross Report and Jim Ross because we're just really kind of, you know, perturbed at his hashtag saucy attitude. And I highly doubt Jim Ross gets awesome artwork done like <laughs> we did from Dean Stahl. Exactly. You guys can check us out on the Twitter machine. Mr. Beverly Hills, how can they interact with you on the Twitter? All right, man. I am at Beverly Hills M-E-S. And for me, it's at Dirty Dog M-E-S. Dog as in D-A-W-G. Dirty Dog M-E-S. You guys can also interact with us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio. That's all one word. Facebook.com slash Radio. Mr. Beverly Hills, do you have any final thoughts, comments, or concerns? <laughs> I don't think so, man. Again, I, I, I am happy you love that artwork I got done, Beverly Hills. I will get that framed. I'll get that to you as oh. get that to you at the same time as I get to you that other artwork Dean Stahl got of us <laughs> of of us in front of the main event status uh, control panel from our Road to WrestleMania 11 series. When I get a house and I have my new main event status radio recording studios it will have all of the pictures on the wall and especially that and with and, and the other picture you got of the mega yep. bucks you, I still have that Mike one and yeah. I, I, yep, I, I love it one. I love yes. it so for Mr. Beverly Hills I am the Dirty Doc Darcy when we will catch you guys in Baltimore stay classy mid-eventers We'll fight them on the beaches. That was amazing. They should get, you should get much more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night, everybody. That's so good.